Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. And on more than one occasion, I have had someone come to my office to advocate for something they thought needed to happen. And I can tell you that there have been times when someone has come to advocate for something they thought should happen in the church, and by the conversation that was going on, it was very clear that because perhaps of their volunteerism, or perhaps because they were a large giver in the church, it was clear that there was the expectation that because of who I am and what I have done, Special consideration needs to be given to my request. It happens all the time. That's the way of man. Now, there's no evidence at all in the passage that this centurion uh, put these elders up to saying what they said. No evidence whatsoever. So I don't think we should blame the centurion for what they said because they said what they said without any input really, I think, from him. But then on the other hand, I'm not sure that we should blame the uh, the Jewish elders either because I'm convinced they were sincere in what they were saying. They, they weren't just trying to blow smoke. This is something that was important to them. He was important to them and he was important to them for a reason. And so they're being sincere in what they're saying. However, I want to tell you that when it comes to Jesus, they were sincerely wrong. They were sincerely wrong. You know, it's great that the centurion loved the Jewish people. Among the Roman occupiers, that was uh, very rare. And the fact that he had personally, out of his own uh, pocketbook, given generously to build their synagogue, that's not a small little offering. We're talking about a major donation to build their synagogue, right? He did that. And that is very commendable. But I want you to take note of truth point number one this morning. And never forget it. That no human work, no matter how generous or selfless as it may appear to be, no human work makes anyone worthy in the eyes of God. I think that bears soaking in just a moment. No human work. Regardless of how generous, righteous it may appear to be, merits, worth, or worthiness in the eyes of God. What I'm about to put on the screen, don't do it yet, but what I'm about to put up on the screen and share with you is something that the general public really doesn't like. And there may be many of you in the, in, the, in the meeting place here today who may take issue with it as well. It is somewhat offensive if you're not thinking from the perspective of God. But what I'm about to put on the screen is God's view of human works. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6. Go ahead and put it up there if you would, please. We are all infected and impure with sin. Notice, when we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. In other words, it's not saying that God looks at good things we do and says that's all trash. We think that way sometimes. 
If I'll spend an hour in prayer, if I'll read a whole book of the Bible, if I'll do this, if I do that, whatever, it will earn favor with God. I want you to, I want you to know that when you are doing any deeds that appear to be righteous and you're doing them from that platform, they are nothing but filthy rags in the eyes of God. He is not impressed. He is not impressed. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 says that there is none righteous. No, not one. You know what? The Jewish elders that day were suffering from the condition that royal robins wrote about. They were seeing things as they would like them to be, but not how they really were. Was the centurion a nice guy? Yes, no doubt. Had he done good in the eyes of his fellow man? Absolutely. Was it appropriate to commend him for his good things, his good works. Yes, from a human perspective, it was appropriate to recognize those and to commend him. Did that make him worthy of any grace from the Lord? What do you say? No, it did not. It did not. Truth point number two. To say that someone is worthy is to say that someone else is indebted to them. That they are owed Special consideration. I have it there in a shaded box on your note guide so that you have it. God owes no one anything except condemnation for sin. If we're going to talk honestly about what God's word says, God's word says God owes no one anything except. We, he does owe us. He owes us. He owes us condemnation for our sin. But praise God. Praise God. He, he, he gives us many wonderful blessings. Despite what he owes us, he gives us many wonderful gifts. But we need to remember that God is indebted to no one for the good they think they have done. In fact, it's just the other way around, isn't it? We owe him everything because he is the one who is worthy. Well, sinful pride, sinful pride that exists in, in, in all of us is the origin of the reason that they said Jesus should do something good for this man. They said he is worthy for you to do this. Now, as we move on to verses six through eight, we find that Jesus consented to go. It doesn't record that he said anything in particular. I assume maybe he just got up off his stool and said, well, okay, let's lead the way. Let's go. Did he go because of the man's worthiness? No. No, if I have to guess, I'm going to say I I believe he went because of his own compassion. Compassion perhaps for this man's servant and this man who is grieving because of the condition of his servant. Now, as they're on their way... We are not told um, exactly why the centurion sent the second delegation, although it's certainly implied there. But when the second delegation comes to Jesus and those who are leading him to the house, it becomes clear why the centurion didn't go to Jesus personally himself the first time. And it becomes very clear why now he has changed his mind and doesn't want Jesus to actually come to his house. Let's take a look at it. When he, that is Jesus, was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, 
Notice what the centurion said. For I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. I'm not worthy. Therefore, it is because of that that I did not presume to come to you in the first place. This leads us to truth point number three, which says that the centurion had reality by the horns. I like that. He had reality by the horns. He saw things as they really were. He was unworthy of Jesus' visit, just as you and I are unworthy of his love and grace. He saw it as it really was. Love for the Jewish people and and generosity notwithstanding, the, the centurion understood that there was nothing within himself that deserved Jesus' visit or his kindness. I wonder this morning, do you understand that? I wish I could see your faces better. But do you understand that there is nothing within you that is worthy? There's nothing in me that is worthy. There's nothing in you that is worthy. You know what? (laughs) That's why they call it grace. It wouldn't be grace if we were owed. It is grace because it is a gift, a gift of love. Now, I want you to take a second look there at the verse that I just read, verses 6 and 7, and notice this, that despite this man's acknowledgement that he is unworthy and his understanding that he is unworthy, nonetheless, he looks at Jesus, and he sees that Jesus is more than just a good prophet. He understands that Jesus is more than just a great rabbi. Perhaps he's even starting to grasp that Jesus is more than just a human. He had heard about Jesus. He had heard about his teachings. He had heard about his miracles. And within the heart of this pagan Gentile, a place where no one would suspect harbored faith, faith blossomed in all of its God-glorifying beauty, Jesus. I'm unworthy to have you under my roof. So don't trouble yourself, Lord. Don't, don't trouble yourself. Listen, listen, just, this is where, the, this, is the, this is right here is worth it, man. Just say the word from where you are. You don't have to come here. You don't have to touch my servant. You don't have to soil yourself with my presence. You, you, you can just say, what your will is from where you are. And when you do, my servant will be healed. And you say, well, how, how did he come to that rationale? Well, it's right there in verse 8. He says, I too am a man set under authority. In other words, this centurion was a man who had authority over him and authority under him. He was responsible for others, but he was responsible to something higher. And he says... I say to those under my care, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. I'm not quite sure how he came to this understanding, but somehow this centurion came to believe that Jesus was on earth as an ambassador for the kingdom of God, and that in him was the full authority of that kingdom. Would to God that all of us understood that. That Jesus is the ambassador of the kingdom of God. He's the king 
who became an ambassador and invested in him as the full authority of that kingdom. And so he reasons within himself that Jesus in a greater way, just as he in a lesser way, only needed to let his will be known and it would be done. What a discovery. What an understanding. All he has to do... All I have to do as a Roman centurion with those who are under me is just let my will be done. Let my will be known, I mean. Let my will be known. Go, come, do this. And it happens. So much greater is Jesus who is the representative of the kingdom of God. All he has to do is let his will be known and it'll happen. Wow. Lord, speak the word and my servant will be healed. Was he wrong about Jesus? The Apostle Paul opens up the door for us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to show us that he was indeed not wrong about Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. This this right here is beautiful. Listen to this. It's all speaking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he, that is Jesus Christ, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.